This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. In our study of Nehemiah so far, we have discovered that Nehemiah is a very godly man who leads his people with integrity. In fact, last week we said personal integrity in the life of a leader is indispensable. I believe that. Nehemiah was a successful leader, and I I think it's due in part uh, to his undeniable integrity. He, he valued justice and unity in the family of God. He rejected any and all exploitation of God's people. He insisted on working right alongside of all of the people who were working so hard with their hands on the wall. He wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty and, and, and uh, refused to sit behind a desk and bark orders. And he expressed deep and profound generosity to everyone. He was a very good leader. Under his gifted leadership, the people of Jerusalem completed the rebuilding of the walls of the city that had been broken down, the gates that had been burned with fire. And now, now at this point in the, in the story, all that remained was the restoration of the gates and, and then the strengthening of the people who lived within the city, city walls. Since those who... Uh, opposed the rebuilding project, had failed miserably in getting the people to stop working on the walls, they now decide to concentrate all of their opposition on Nehemiah. They concentrate their attacks on Nehemiah the leader. They conspire against him. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they all turn their sights on Nehemiah. The average person doesn't realize the tremendous pressure and strain that people experience day after day in places of leadership. Leaders are often blamed for things they didn't do and criticized for things they tried to do. They're misunderstood and misquoted and misjudged and rarely given the opportunity to set the record straight. If they act quickly, they're reckless. If they take their time, they're cowards. So it's really a no-win situation. And Dr. Wiersbe, Warren Wiersbe says, that the people in places of spiritual leadership not only have the pressures that all leaders face, but they must also battle an infernal enemy who is a master deceiver and murderer. Nehemiah didn't listen to the enemy's lies but that didn't stop the enemy from attacking him on every front. Satan uses four strategies in his conspiracy against Nehemiah, four strategies that he still uses against us today. The first strategy is deception. Nehemiah 6, verses 1 to 3. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. 
I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? (laughs) So Nehemiah's enemies found out that he was extremely close to finishing the project. The walls of the city of Jerusalem had been rebuilt. The only thing left to do was hang the new gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a request to to Nehemiah that, that seemed innocent on the surface. Come, let's meet together at Hekaferim in the plain of Ono. That village was located about 20 miles north of, of Jerusalem, apparently in a, a lush green area of the, of the countryside. And so they're saying, come on, come on, Nehemiah, let's, let's meet together. You've been working so hard on the walls. You could use a little R&R. Let's have a little retreat. We can talk it over. But Nehemiah discerns their deception. He, he recognizes they're trying to deceive him. He's on to them because he's a godly man and I think he's in tune with the Holy Spirit and he was listening to the Lord who's whispering in one of his ears, don't trust them. And so he responds, no, sir, I, I'm not going to meet you. I won't meet you on the plain of Ono or anywhere else for that matter. I believe God gave Nehemiah the gift of discernment in that very moment when he needed it the most. And isn't that just how God works? He gives us insight, knowledge, and discernment at exactly the moment we need it, never too late and not too, uh, not too early, just in the moment we need it. So what does he do? Verse 3, I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should I stop Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? So he's on to their deception. He he knew that this was a trick. This was simply a a pretext to something nefarious and evil, wicked. He's on to them. But but just look at the persistence of these guys in verse 4. Persistence. Satan uses persistence now against Nehemiah. Verse 4, they they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. Uh, Four times they repeated their request to meet with Nehemiah, and four times he turns them down. And then a fifth time, Sanballat writes a letter and sends it to Nehemiah by way of his servant. Friends, the enemy of our soul is persistent. If he's anything, he's, he's persistent. He just will not leave us alone. He keeps coming uh, at you from every angle. Have you noticed that? <laughs> That's why Peter warns us in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, Seeking someone to devour. Yeah. The devil was persistent in the account of Samson and Delilah. The devil was persistent in the story about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. The devil was persistent in the story of of Peter's three-time denial of Jesus. He's tenacious. He's determined. He's obstinate. He's tireless in his efforts to will. To, to win. And the enemy just keeps coming at you and coming at you and coming at you until you quit 
or you show him the blood-stained cross of Jesus. My brothers and sisters, our victory is in the cross. We overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, Revelation 12, 11. And the devil may be persistent, but the Son of God is absolutely and eternally relentless in making sure that we walk in victory through the gospel. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. Deception didn't work. Persistence didn't work. So the enemy tries, tries slander next. He, he seeks to slander Nehemiah. Verse 6, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let's meet together. Verse 8, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making, up, making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Not only did the unnamed sources in Nehemiah 6 falsely accuse Nehemiah, and it's always unnamed sources, right? Some people said, I've heard them say. Well, who said? Well, I can't, I can't say. <laughs> they're, they're unnamed sources, right? Not only did the unnamed sources quoted in verse 6 falsely accuse Nehemiah of forming the rebellion, but, but they also said he was planning to make himself king and, and, and that he'd appointed prophets to announce his, his coronation. Well, and it's all completely false. They're slandering him, completely untrue. Friends, listen, you, 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 you have to be careful in how you respond to false accusations, especially when they're coming from unnamed sources. Be careful how you respond to gossip and slander. You, you, you have to be careful. Otherwise, you, you get upset, you, you lose perspective, you say things that you should never say, and, and you spend all your time defending yourself, uh, but you never get ahead of it. You never get ahead of it because every time you turn a corner, there's more gossip, more rumors, more innuendo. They never get depleted. There's always more of that. You can never get ahead of it. So what do you do? What did Nehemiah do? Let's have a look. Verse 8, I replied, there's no truth in any part of your story. You're making up the whole thing. 
They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Oh man, do I ever love that. I I continued the work with even greater determination. Bring it on. Unnamed sources, names, it doesn't matter. Bring all the slander you got. I'm going to just continue the work with greater determination. I love that. He simply denied the reports and went back to work. Denied the reports, went back to work. That's not a bad strategy. There's no need to fight. God will fight for you. Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 1, the Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. Yes, sir. God will defend you. You don't need to get all worked up. God will fight this fight for you. Dr. Wearsby says, if we take care of our character, we can trust God to take care of our reputation. Don't you like that? If we take care of our character, we can trust God to take care of our reputation. So, Nehemiah persisted in doing the will of God. He didn't waste any time. He didn't waste any time fighting rumors or slanders. He just went back to work. The fourth and final tool the enemy tried to use against Nehemiah in his great conspiracy against this wonderful leader is intimidation. Intimidation. Run for your life, Nehemiah. They're going to kill you. You better run. But that doesn't work either. Let's have a look at Nehemiah 6, verse 10. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let's close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. But Nehemiah's discernment was running in high gear at that moment. His response is quite remarkable. Verse 11, but I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. (laughs) So Nehemiah responds that such an act would be cowardly. It would just be cowardly to go into the temple and hide. And and quite possibly sacrilegious. It's, It's against the law of Moses. The temple of God was never meant to be used in that way. And Nehemiah is not going to risk it. Verse 12, And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. So Shemaiah was pretending to speak with prophetic authority, but, but Nehemiah sees right through it. By the grace of God, Nehemiah perceives that this prophecy was false. Nehemiah's enemies had actually hired Shemaiah, the false prophet, to make Nehemiah afraid. They're trying to intimidate him. But try as they might, they could not get Nehemiah to quit. He was resilient and he was determined to do the will of God, no matter how many flaming arrows the enemy had pointed in his direction. And God blessed him. God just brought abundant overflowing blessing to his work and to his life. Look at verses 15 and 16. 
So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in, in just 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Yeah, so you see, the wall was completed. The work was done in spite of all the overwhelming opposition and all of the crazy conspiracies against Nehemiah and his mission for God. Deception, persistence, slander, intimidation. I mean, the enemy threw everything he had at Nehemiah, but he could not get Nehemiah to quit because Nehemiah feared God and he knew that God had given him a mission and a purpose and he was determined to get it done. Friends, I know that life has been hard and harsh for, for many of you during this pandemic and the recent lockdowns. The restrictions have been hard on our fellowship. It's been hard on our economy and our relationships and our, our neighborhoods and our families. And it's been hard for our church. It's been very difficult. But Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than any pandemic. Jesus is greater than any lockdown. Red zone, gray zone, I don't care what color. Jesus is greater than all of it. And we can trust Him. During the worship set, we sang, There is no healer like the Lord our Maker. There is no equal to the King of Kings. Our God is with us. We will fear no evil, because you do impossible things. Lord, you do impossible things. I believe that, don't you? He's the God of the impossible, and we can trust Him. The devil will use every weapon at his disposal to bring you down. Everything he used against Nehemiah, he will use against you. Deception, persistence, slander, intimidation. But you can't give in, and you can't give up. There's too much at stake. Nehemiah wouldn't quit, not even when the devil turned his big guns in his direction. You know, and, and this, quite frankly, this is one of the most thrilling experiences in the world. To watch God come in and rescue us when we are completely and totally helpless. It's thrilling to watch God at work. It's, it's been thrilling to watch God at work in our fellowship during this coronavirus pandemic and even the most recent lockdown. It's been amazing to see what God has done. In the middle of the incessant assault of the enemy, in spite of the endless verbal barrage against Nehemiah, the wall was completed. Listen, the mission God has for you has to be completed. It has to get done. So you can't give up. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you in the coming days. You just stand your ground and don't give up. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my be beloved brothers and sisters... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And James 1.12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Listen, we, we are not the church of Chicken Little, but the church of Jesus Christ. We don't run around screaming, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. No, sir, there is no panic in heaven. Over all of the chaos, Jesus, the, re the resurrected one, reigns. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and before whom every knee will eventually bow, whether they like it or not. 
God is in control. Put not your trust in politicians or parties or ballot boxes. Put not your trust in the United States Constitution or the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Christ Jesus and His kingdom are everlasting. Put your trust in Him. And into that kingdom, He calls us to experience forgiveness and life and peace and joy and hope. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Father, you are such a gracious and loving Father, so good and and kind and holy. And, And Lord, today we confess our need of you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us afresh with love, joy, peace, and, and, and power. Oh, Lord, we need your power to face the conspiracies of Satan and all of his cohorts. We take every thought captive. We resist the enemy in Jesus' name. We surrender our lives afresh to you and find our greatest satisfaction in Jesus Christ alone. Thank you for the victory that is ours in your beautiful name. Amen.